0: Hey, Rapids fans. Uh, You're listening to Holding the High Line with Rabbi in Red. My name is Matt Pollard. It is Saturday, July 15th, 2023. Happy Match Day. I've got some pre-match listening for you here. Very special treat. This past Thursday, I got to sit down for 45 minutes with Drew Moore uh, to talk about him and his career and his time at the club and what he's doing now on the media and on the academy coaching side. It was well-timed given his gallery of induction Uh, that the club did this past Saturday, a week later than I wanted it to be, but I'm more glad that it happened and that Drew was his usual wonderful interviewee self than I am mad that it was a week late. So without further ado, here's that interview. I promise you, unlike the second half against Portland on Wednesday, this will not be a total waste of
1: time. Let's start with how'd you like getting your flowers on Saturday? <laughs> I didn't get any flowers.
0: Are you get <laughs> any. That's, that's the way the kids are saying it on the internet. Well, nobody yeah, gets men flowers. That's true.
1: Yeah, I uh, I think I've just seen that recently. Uh, my my I'm almost at the point where my kids are telling me what kids are saying. You know, so <laughs> aging myself a little bit there. But my wife got actual flowers. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I feel like even though you didn't play it was it was an extremely it was a fitting performance and a fitting result against the right opponent that I know the team the team was trying to win the game not do you justice, but they also did you justice
1: yeah it was just a a perfect night. I feel like obviously the club went all out I feel like for for celebrating me you know it's mm-hmm. i don't like. Even though I do this media stuff and I'm willing to speak in front of people, I don't like the attention game actually. Like <laughs> it can be overwhelming, you know, but um, you know, the club made me and my family feel extremely special and and which it was a special day. It's 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 still surreal to see my name up there, but um, the team to to play like they did, again, like you know, it was all done during halftime, so you know, they probably weren't even super aware of everything that was going on, but uh The fireworks afterwards, the weather ended up being being pretty much perfect, you know, so it was, it was a, a and the, cr- the crowd was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like, like it really was. So it was a uh, pretty special night. Something we'll, we'll remember forever.
0: Mm-hmm. You don't like being the attention on you. You are still a center back in your personality as opposed to a forward. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, are
1: you at peace with retirement? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I still am. It's, it's been what, seven months since I guess six and a half months since January 1st, and really about nine months since I announced retirement. And I, I'll i say this, I'll be honest about it. I, I don't miss really uh, playing yet. I do miss being a soccer player mm-hmm. because of how amazing it is to be a professional athlete. You know, you, there's a lot of perks that come along with that. Yeah. You know, you only work for so long during the day. And um, it's just, You just miss that part of it, you know? And while I'm still treated amazing around here with such respect and even out in the public at times, thinking of being competitive on Saturday nights and being competitive in training uh, is still draining for me because I think towards the end of my career, physically, just your body starts to break down at 36, 37, 38, you know, when you've done it for so long. And then that will start to wear on your psyche and and your, your mentality, you know? And I think one thing I always had was like a competitive edge. Um, but thinking of going out there and competing for a spot every day and competing against another team for games. I don't yet miss that part of it.
0: What, either, whether it's food or time with the family, or is there, or just not being sore as hell on Sunday morning, what part of that are you now enjoying that you don't have to deal with?
1: Yeah, I think I do. Although I enjoy traveling because the trips aren't long, right? They're 48 hours tops these days, especially with charter flights, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't miss being on a strict ish regimen food wise not that i was ever the model of professional athlete diet wise um, but you know i can enjoy a guiltless beer on a friday night or two um and not traveling does give me uh time more time with my family on the weekends which, which has been nice and i think well, i probably will travel at times i think the club if i said i want to go on trips they, they would be okay with it you yeah. know um, but there is something about spending Saturday and Sunday, the majority of Saturday and Sunday with, with my kids mm-hmm. um, and, and my wife. Um, so I, I've, I've enjoyed that side. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's the, what's the cheat meal you're getting to have a little bit more of these days? Anything fast food mm-hmm. and it's guiltless now. Yeah. It, it, you know, obviously I still think, what well, what is this going to do with my body? Um, it hasn't affected me too much okay. yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do have pretty good genes there. Yeah. And I'm still not too old, you know. I'm not quite forty. I'm very close to it. Um, but like, honestly, my boys, you know, I'll probably get them fast food twice a week, and I'm not skipping out on those fast food meals. Whether it's Taco Bell, I'm a I'm a big Mac guy. Mm-hmm. So McDonald's, Whataburger um, was that in your part of Texas? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, we don't have them here, right? At least not that I know of. No. Um they are starting to, to, to franchise out a little bit more. Um. Yeah, like I'm still a listen. Fast food was my guilty pleasure while I was playing, but I I do it more often now, and it's guiltless. Mm -hmm.
0: Home opener, 2020. Your first game back in Burgundy. 2-1 win. You score the winner at the end, and your wife Shelby, Mm being the agent of chaos that she is, posts a text thread where you get locked out after the game.
1: Drew, where were your keys? I hold. I, I have to think about that. I just don't think I had a house key yet for some reason, which is interesting because we had been in our in our house for a month and a half at that point. Well, you were
0: gone for probably a month for pre season, yeah, and then on the road at DC United for that first. So that might have been your first week, full yes. week back in yes. the house.
1: That's a good point. I, I wish I could remember. Obviously, the, the the moment, the emotions that I was going through. You know, I could have misplaced my keys, but I think I just didn't have a house key. (laughs) And I think I forgot to tell her to leave the back door unlocked because we hadn't set up our garage keypad yet either. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I was legitimately locked out. And if she had fallen asleep, I wasn't waking her up because she's one of those that can, you know, sleep deeply. Mm -hmm. The dogs might have, the dogs' barks might have woken her up, but I could have been in some trouble there.
0: Okay, yeah. Drew, that kind of it, it almost work. It a little bit ruins like a the hypothetical story of you losing your keys. It's like the watching the last dance and finding out the flu game was actually the food poisoning game. But okay, um, there's a part of me that was looking at decision day last year at Austin, and you remember, that game was chaos. I don't remember what, it was late, whatever minute Diego scored that 1-1. And there's a part of it that's like, the team's not going to make the playoffs, does it really matter. I want 10 more minutes of Drew Moore. And the more I think about it, and I don't know if this was your decision or Robin's decision, I think it was still incredibly fitting that your final game was here in front of Dallas, clean sheet, 1-0 win.
1: I think Robin definitely wanted me to to choose when my last game would have been he you know he the respect level that he has for for all players um but certainly a situation like that was extremely high but i think a lot of people don't realize i played the last four or so months of that season with with uh really nagging really bad plantar fasciitis i couldn't get through training sessions um maybe one once a week like the first training session of the week i could get through but the rest of the week i just i couldn't hardly walk um, and so even in the, in the Dallas game here, I, I wanted that to be my last game because it was at home. My family was going to be here. It was against Dallas. Um, I struggled to get through that, that 10 minutes and, and it, and it took everything in me not to show people that I was struggling. Um, but the, I remember warmups of the game in Austin, which unless I, you know, absolutely had to be thrown on, which I can't even think of the situation that I would have been. I, I, I'm four red cards to all the, yeah, defenders. exactly. I, but even then, I don't know. I don't think I was going to be used. And I remember warm ups in that game. Like again, I, it felt like I had glass in, in my shoes. Like the, the planet fast was so bad. And So I, I think I went to that game like, like some of the away trips last year just to be there, just to, you know, be a, a veteran and, and, you know, there for my leadership because there were some games where. I went on away trips where I wasn't even in the squad that, that I was there for, um, but Dallas was very clearly going to be my, my last team. Speaking of leadership, there was a possibility again in 2020
0: with some COVID cases where you might have been interim assistant coach. What was,
1: the, tell me about all that. So, yeah, we were, you know, some of the, the staff and players um, were starting to test positive and... Robin called me one night, kind of randomly. Um, forgot exactly how the conversation went, but he said, uh, "How you know? What would you think of you know helping coach uh, for a little bit?" And I immediately thought, "Oh, a couple, a couple coaches. It tested positive." And I was like, "Yeah, you know, what, whatever you need, like." And then it was very clear to me, like, "Oh, he's called me to tell me he has tested positive." You know. Um and so of course like if, if he's testing positive, he you know, all the coaches shit, you know, basically share meeting room in there and so um and I was like, of course, like like whatever you need, you know, and, and there was of course the Chris Cartledge, our Academy Director, the um uh, a couple other like the uh you because know, the the twos didn't exist at that point, but we you know, we had some like the older U nineteen coach Eric Boucher, uh, a couple other a couple other coaches would actually be out on the field at training and stuff. Um, but I think that you know Robin looked to me because I'm there with the players every day and yeah. know what's going on and stuff uh, to kind of run those sessions. Um, and I was still training and everything. And, and the, yeah, the plan was if we were going to go to Portland to play that game that you know with. The guidance of some of the you know coaches from the from the lower teams, um, I was going to kind of represent as, as the head coach, you know. But of course, we ended up losing more and more players to positive tests,
0: and then so games got, and that's when games start getting postponed, yeah, and then the, the, the points per game MLS. Yeah. Okay, was it, maybe this is a better question for the MLS bylaws or MLS would have had to maybe there would have been a Drew Moore rule. Was there a possibility then that interim head coach Drew Moore subs on? Drew more. <laughs> I think so. I think
1: because again, we were going to be uh, low on numbers, right? I don't think we were going to be able to take even like a full squad, mm-hmm. and so uh, I, w- my gear, at least at the very least, would have been there, you know. And because there would have been other, you know, coaches on on the bench and stuff, um, yeah, there was a chance if I was needed that maybe I, you know, it, it never really got that far. Yeah, of, of course, um, but I was having. You know a couple zoom chats with the coaches uh those couple evenings to talk about how training went what training would be the next day um, but those decisions never had to be made yes
0: There there's a fantastically weird 30 for 30 in here somewhere in the in the rapids multiverse and thankfully the 30 we, for
1: 30 that never that never happened <laughs>
0: yeah um 2015 mls all-star game what do you, what do you remember about that night
1: Oh, the, the first thing that comes to my mind of the, the 2015 All-Star game was just how proud I was of the club and the state, the atmosphere, uh, the support, all the the side stuff that, that, that comes along, which I didn't realize at the time because I had never been an All-Star. You know, you go out in the community, um, you have some appearances, uh, you know, Kaka was here, Donnie Vio was here, Clint Dempsey was here. Um, Josie Altidore was here. Uh, it was it was pretty amazing. And I remember as the national anthem finished, you know, my family was here. It was a packed house and a B-2 bomber goes flying over. I just, I got chills. I got goosebumps, you know, and it was just, it was incredible to, to play my only all-star game here. Uh, you know, I got to play the second half and a lot of my play, uh, I was matched up against Harry Kane, which, which was amazing. Just, just being so proud to, to represent the club and and uh, the the spectacle that that it was was so special.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you remember Ethan Finley the skinning whoever
1: that fullback yeah. was? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a pretty entertaining game. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, both teams wanted to win. That they they were obviously in their their preseason. That Kane scored a banger, and then I think Kaká and Vio both scored. Um, and it was a pretty competitive. I remember I was dead tired about five minutes into the second half because just the pace of the game was was played. Obviously, it was middle of the summer, so it was hot, but it was, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah.
0: Later in 2015, you leave for Toronto in free agency. What are you and – it was you and a lot of other big veterans that were big pieces moving around. Yeah. And the first time in free agency, how crazy was that?
1: Yeah, it was interesting because it was the first time free agency was available. And I, I didn't want to leave the Rapids, you know, like – I could have pictured myself being here for, for the rest of my career. Same, I could have pictured myself being in Dallas before I was, before I was traded here. Yeah, I just, when I, when I go to a club, I, I commit to that club, you know, and they had, they, they declined my option, which, which was fine. You know, I, I thought that, that they might do, that the Rapids might do that. Um, and I was just like, you know what? Like, this is an opportunity being a free agent for the first time towards the end of my career to explore what's out there. Toronto was, was starting to put together uh, a, a squad that might compete for MLS Cups the, the next couple of years, you know, and it was a big market and there was the, a little bit of that allure, you know. It was a different country. My wife being pregnant, we thought, why don't we, why don't we go on this adventure, you know, and so it was so hard to leave Colorado, and I think, you know, I've, I've, I've said in many interviews, the day we left was the day that we started dreaming and, and talking about coming back. You know, and so it was an adventure in Toronto and it, it was a, a special place and it was a very good team we were there it was a it was a much harder decision and a lot of people you know a lot of people like to say not a lot of but you know I going through social media sometimes I see oh you know he just left for more money I didn't leave for more money mm-hmm. I, I was I wasn't on any more money there yeah. than I would have been on here you know it was just uh, a, a chance to to go and, and try something try something different in my I'm happy I did it, but I I was even more happy to be able to come back.
0: Mm -hmm. We see now a lot of MLS teams, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of whining and dining to convince Messi to come to MLS and he's going to get a lot of red carpets rolled out for him as well. How interesting was it just given where, you know, oh, there's the reallocation draft and all that stuff to, you know, show up in Toronto and be like, hey, let's take you to a Raptors game and MLS players are being treated with that level of respect.
1: Yeah, and I think that was very interesting because it was a bit like, college recruitment. That's what it reminded me of, you know, and the Philadelphia Union were super interested, right? And they, they did a lot of things. They knew my wife was from Jersey, right? Very mm-hmm. close to Philadelphia. And so they, you know, they, they, they uh, pulled on her heartstrings a little bit, you know, it was, it was super interesting. It was a bit of a, a recruitment type, type. And yeah, like I could only imagine what it's like now, yeah. especially when some of these superstars are, are, Announcing their interest in MLS and, and everything, so um, it was cool. But also, you know, I'm somebody I don't really like the attention. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna turn it down or anything. But you know, that's something that your family come, the decision, you know, family comes the decision making. Mm-hmm. You know, where you could be three, four, five years from there comes the decision making. Uh, but it was an, it was an interesting process. Yeah. Did Dallas give you a call? No. All no. right. <laughs> There, there, so I, Philadelphia and Toronto were the it's interesting. Philadelphia and Toronto were the main ones, and I think I was the second one. I think Justin Math established first where he was going. I don't remember where he ended up going. He was the first one to. He was the first ever really free agent. Yeah. Um, to announce where he was going, I said Toronto, and it's interesting. Before I signed a contract, all of a sudden my agent gets reached out by I think Vancouver. All of a sudden became super interested. Orlando all of a sudden became super interested. But at that point, I had kind of committed to tomorrow.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, five caps with the U.S. men's national team, all from 2007 to 2008. And you'd say that about a guy at your level in MLS. You know, you'd think January camp, cupcake, maybe some random 10 minutes in a friendly or something. And you played in a Copa America. You yeah. played in a Gold Cup. You had significant minutes in those five moments, those five opportunities. What sticks out from your national team time?
1: Feeling overwhelmed, Overwhelmed by the, the pace of play, the the names that were there. I was just talking about this with with Kenny Cooper um, when he was here to, to celebrate my, my, my Gallery of Honor induction. I wish, you know, th- I don't have any regrets about playing or anything, but I wish I felt more comfortable when I was in my, my time with the U.S. national team. I was playing right back, which was out of position for me, but no problem. Like, national team wants me to play right back. I'm going you know, to play right back. But just not, probably not ready for that level at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I think back, you know, fond memories for sure. And playing in a friendly against Mexico and Houston, Texas was, was amazing, you know, and, and assisting Josie Altador on his, on his first international goal was amazing. But I felt, I felt overwhelmed, you know, I felt like, like I'm not ready for this level, you know, and, and if I could go back and do it again, I would go in with more confidence and not as dear in, in headlights. Um, but that's just the way it was then. You know? It was like national team is a big deal and it was always a big deal to me growing up. Um, but yeah, I wish I had gone into the little bit So confidence. Mm-hmm.
0: To my knowledge, the club has never done a testimonial for a player. I feel like if they were going to do one, Cello should get one first. In a way, he gets one annually with the media cup where he trots out there, complains about being hurt, and then outplays all of us <laughs> still on the ball. <laughs> I me mean, is a very average high school player on a very bad high school team. I should point out. Any desire to have a testimonial whatsoever? If,
1: yeah, because the club hasn't done it with with Balboa or Pablo or Connor Casey. You know, mm-hmm. like like if there's going to be a testimonial for me, there needs to be a testimonial for these guys yeah. first. You know, and so if the club wants to do a testimonial, I don't think any of us are going to say no to a testimonial. But because it hasn't been, you know, customary in the past. Yeah. You know, No, not not for me. They've given me enough enough of the spotlight, you know. (laughs) Who would be your center back partner if that were to happen? I I feel like I would have to, and this is—I'm answering this very quick, but I feel like I would have to bring Marvell Wynn back. Mm -hmm. Um, Just an incredible, incredible partnership we had. We were just polar opposite players, you know, Mm -hmm. and 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 we made that work. And uh, he—I feel like he would—he would do it in a heartbeat. Would yeah, be, that would be awesome. To play next to
0: Marvell, one more time. So I had to look up your stats yesterday. There's a lot of them. So 411 regular season games, 24 playoff games. Regular season minutes 33,816. Playoff 21,22. And in your entire career, I guess I don't have Open Cup or Champions League in this because MLS wasn't tracking that. 47 yellow cards, three reds. That's four yellows for a 34 game season playing 90 minutes. How does a center back in a league with a bunch of DP attackers do
1: that. Not physical enough. <laughs> I know. Honestly, like I, I wish I had more cards because I, you know I do think a lot of my game was positioning and being out ahead of the play and not having to commit fouls. Um, because because of that, uh, but I there were many times where I sh- probably should have been more physical. I wish I had. At times, and again, I don't regret anything about my career. But there were times where I wish I had a little bit more lolliness. I had mm-hmm. a little bit more bite. I struck a little more fear into the opposition attacking mm-hmm. players. You know, um, it just wasn't my personality. It's not my personality. Yeah, it wasn't the first thing I think about when I'm defending. First thing I'm thinking about when I'm defending is organizing. It's you know being out in front of the play. It's not the other player. you mm-hmm. know? But I wish I had a little bit of more hit the other player in me. Um, Again, I I didn't have to pay as many fines, I guess, because I didn't have (laughs) as many yellow cards as you would think for the number of games I played in. But uh, just staying out in front of the play, again, keeping the guys around me on their toes um, is is probably why I didn't have as many yellow cards. And because, you know, like I wasn't as strong as some of the center backs. So, you you know, you come together. A lot of times I was losing an uh, 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 an upper body battle, you know, Mm -hmm. and so – uh, I won't complain about the few number of cards, but I wish I had more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What do you remember about your red cards? Uh, probably just losing my head. Uh, I remember one was a second yellow card in a playoff game against Houston, which was pretty much done. We were going out, and Valderrama sent me off because I was mouthing off to his linesman. Uh, one was a hard tackle against Tony Beltran in Salt Lake Okay, when I was playing for Dallas. Mm-hmm. And again, I think we were winning 2-0 in the game. They came back and beat us 4-2. And right after they scored their fourth goal, I went in for a bad tackle and just mm-hmm. kind of saw red, literally. And, 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 uh, <laughs> and red psychologically, miss. yeah. Uh, uh,
0: it was 2013 in the regular season with Colorado. I don't know if that jogs your memory, but... Don't that. We can move on if you want.
1: Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably, probably again, probably something silly. You know? How are you liking doing media stuff? I like it. Media is something that I've always been interested in. I'm interested in calling games, actually, mm-hmm. being color color commentary. Um, I did have a an interview with Apple TV back in November. Um, went great, but didn't hear back from them, and you know, they ended up hiring a wonderful wonderful. Uh, you know crews for, for those games but the Rapids allowing me to, to get some reps and some exposure and do some of their media stuff has been great I, I really like it uh, it's not easy there's there's a lot to work mm-hmm. you know you got somebody talking in your ear while mm-hmm. you know you're trying to talk about the game whether it's live whether it's taped um, there's cameras on you there's mm-hmm. places you're supposed to look and not mm-hmm. um, and it's also tough because this is a club I love and, and when you have to analyze the team after maybe a, a tough outing. Uh, you have to be fair. Yeah. But it's my club, too. You know? mm-hmm. And so there, there's also some, some challenges in, from that aspect. But I do, like, I do like having a microphone in my hand, hand and sharing my, my, my thoughts on, on what I'm seeing.
0: Mm-hmm. As a, another former player who's gotten into media, how much has Jordan kind of been the, right. the veteran
1: coaching you up? Jordan's been amazing. Amazing, and, and I knew she was because, you know, Jordan was here before. She was great here. She was great in Columbus. And to have somebody so experienced and so understanding sitting next to me and, and kind of holding my hand through it is there's there's no better way to learn. And so I'm super appreciative of of, of her, patient, her, her patience. I mean, I think she, she thinks I'm pretty good at it. At least she tells me that. Um, but she's helped me out a lot. Mm-hmm. What do you think about what she's doing trying to bring a, a pro women's team here? Yeah, and I don't, i got to be honest, I haven't heard much about that. She, she and I haven't really, really spoken about it. Obviously, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm all in support of, of the women's game and, and would, love to, would love to see a women's team here. But, mm-hmm. I, like, I haven't seen much about it. I haven't spoken to children about it. I think it would be more. Yeah.
0: But, um, what else is there? How are you liking doing coaching stuff in the academy?
1: Amazing. Amazing, i think when i was a you know when i was a rookie in the league and even when i was in college i would go back in the summers and train with fc dallas who the dallas burn um back then and that see how some of the veterans the older guys carry themselves on a, on a daily basis how they take care of themselves and then becoming a rookie and actually being able to kind of pick their brains and talk to them and see how they made it in the league for so long was awesome and, and i feel like I had that role in my last four or five years as a player, just being a good example, being somebody who's been there and done that and can share some wisdom. Um, and I try to do that with the academy players as well, and, and, the, and the second team players, and the first team players still, you know, um, but the, the the academy players are, are, that's the future of this club, you know, and it's, or the future of other clubs, you know, but certainly, being able to spend time with them, to share some of my experience, to share how I carry myself, um, to try to to, to lead them in, in a path where they can succeed um, is is a, is a job that I don't take lightly um, and it's a job that I embrace because I see a lot of talent and a lot of potential in a lot of those players and that's a super, you know, 15, 16, 17. It's a super influential age not just for, for soccer but for life yeah and to try to be a bit of a mentor for them if they want it um I, I embrace that and and try to do everything i can both on and off the field to provide them with some of the you know the the things that i was provided with when i was their age to uh, to try to help them succeed
0: you emphasizing helping the center backs on the field, or is it a little bit of everybody?
1: A little bit of everybody, but of course, like the the defending in me never, it will never go away, you know, and that will always be. I mean, you should see me play number nine. Yeah, you shouldn't see me play number <laughs> nine. But you learn, you know, you learn a lot over the course of a long career, and and you know, watch a lot of you know a lot, watch a lot of video, watch a lot of live soccer and stuff, and so I, I do feel like I can help other positions, but. Certainly the center backs is just the, the position that I feel like I can help most naturally, but there's so much more to soccer than just X's and O's and mm-hmm. just positions, yeah. And there's so much more to soccer than just stuff that you see on the field, you know, and so while well, the center backs are the ones that I will always, you know, kinda of gravitate towards, um, it's important that I that I'm open for anybody in any position. Yeah.
0: Where's the biggest area for growth or improvement? for the academy right now?
1: (sighs) That's a good question. I don't know that I could pinpoint one area necessarily. I think it's important that that the Rapids do what they can to develop talent, right? Because there is so much money being spent on players in this league, both coming into the league and going out of the league. And you look at somebody like a Cole Bassett and a Sam Vines, and those are players that are huge assets to this club, right? And the academies is, is kind of your, your foundation for, for the talent that you're going to develop, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I don't want to say that all of our resources need to go into development and, and, and talent. 'cause you can still go out and, and buy big time players and come in and, and win championships and, and win tournaments and put people in the in the stands, you know, and, and improve your team. But as somebody that is a development coach and that spends a lot of time in the in the academy again I, I spend every day thinking how can i make this player a little bit better how can mm-hmm. i make this group of players a little bit better how can i make the u17s a little bit better the u15s a little bit better mm-hmm. you know? and i think i think both on and off the field we just need to continue to make sure we're doing everything we can to provide these guys the, the foundation and the tools to succeed and it's mm-hmm. that's a very general statement i'm still kind of new at it <laughs> um but I realize being on this side of the it is. Mm-hmm. speaking of young players, you know, I saw you back on Monday, you know, you
0: were kicking the ball around after training and everything. what did it be like from Moise Bombito?
1: Oh man, the list of what I don't like about him is a lot shorter. <laughs> uh, I like that he has come in and he is himself. He's not shy. He's he, he doesn't shy away from, from the spotlight. Um, he plays the position that they tell him to play, whether that's center back, whether that's outside back, um, whether it's midfield. For when, John Herdman in the goal. Yeah, cup. yeah, exactly. And and he plays it to to the best of of his ability. Um, I think I think Moy still has as mature as he's been, and as good as he's been, and effective. He still has a lot of growing up to do, like like any young kid coming into this league, um, and that just takes time, and that just takes experience, but. I don't want to pump him up too much mm-hmm. because, uh, I, again, I still know that there's a lot of growing to do, but I'm super excited about his, his prospects because he's got a level head. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Um, he's motivated, um, but he's confident. He's got an edge to him, and he believes that he belongs, mm-hmm. and he does. And yeah. um, and just excited to see where his, where his path takes him.
0: Moist, if you're listening to this podcast, stop and get back on the treadmill. <laughs> uh, I want to go back to your stats real quick because they brought 28 goals. Do you have a favorite goal?
1: Um, it's hard to beat that Orlando goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last, my last ever goal. Yeah. Um, there was a goal in like 2010. I think it was my first goal maybe for the Rapids. We were home to Columbus. Mm-hmm. We were down a man. About 85th minute, I scored on a on a free kick. I had her. Um, I had some family in the in the crowd, um, and it was just it was a big goal. You know, you're down a man. Like yeah. we were really only like living off of set pieces at that point, even back in 2010. Really good <laughs> set pieces. Uh, um, and it was just a big goal. You know, we ended up winning the game 1-0. That was a pretty big goal. Uh, those were probably my my two most memorable. I did score against Dallas um, here couple seasons after they traded me so it's, mm-hmm. always, it's always nice to get along on yeah. You know? yeah i scored against colorado once when i was with dallas but i didn't have any history with colorado yet but those are yeah those are my things i kind of i never scored a playoff goal i never really scored like a big like season changing goal you know mm-hmm. but trying mean, 28 goals like i'll, I'll take it you know, i, I yeah. feel like i should have had 28 more but i won't complain
0: <laughs> yeah you mentioned scoring goals and uh, this is a fun question I hear a lot in hockey about the difference between defensemen and forwards, and the cliche in there is that forwards want to win and defensemen don't want to lose. Do you yeah. hate losing
1: more than you like winning? I think so. Yeah, I hated losing. I, you know, I got to the point of my career where I wouldn't let I wouldn't let me like change my life at home or. You know i could still go home and and, and go to sleep at night and, and i think just you get that with time right but early in my career man like before i mellowed out i hated to lose um winning's amazing winning just you know it brings everybody together like you just you feel good leaving the stadium you feel good in the locker room you know, that beer tastes a little bit better um but yeah there's there's and it and, 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 and it it carries over into training like if it's a small-sided game, you hate to lose a small-sided game, mm-hmm. especially against your teammates, your brother, as you know. So yeah, I hated to lose your I like to win. brother.
0: Okay. Um, do you have a favorite MLS
1: referee? Um. Yeah, there's a couple. I'm trying to think of my early, early days. I mean, I, I like, I liked um, Kevin Scott. Okay. I thought he had a great. A great attitude, a good demeanor. I like Robert Sabiga. Where's Robert Sabiga? I think he's. I think he's up at pro now. Okay. Yeah, I think he's. I think he he's. is probably my favorite modern, modern referee, yeah. modern dayish. You know, no. I mean, stop. Ref until what? Last season, two seasons, two ago? seasons ago. I think. Yeah. yeah. I like Joe Dickerson. Um. Uh, I loved Abby Okalaja, way back in the day. I don't even know. <laughs> Yeah, um, he he also refed games uh, of mine in college. So this was a long time ago. Uh, Alex Pruce, I liked Alex Pruce. He was Russian, I believe. Uh, there's another. I actually like Alex Taylor. Okay. okay, but I'll say this about referees. My favorite referees are the ones I I can almost put your calls to the side. Whether you're consistent, whether you're making good calls or bad calls for somebody that lets you get stuck in. Yeah. That are okay with that. That understand that you're going to do that. And I also have a lot of – I got a lot more res- respect of the referees for the refs the later I got in my career. Because I mellowed out. Because I understood they're human. Because we all make mistakes. Because that is a horrible thing. Yes. Being a referee. <clears throat> There's no way I would ever volunteer to be a referee at a seven-year-old kid's game, much less a bunch of grown men that, like I used to do, tell you what they think of. Me. Yes. And so I think respect needs to come both ways when it comes to referees. Yes, I named a couple of my favorite referees, but my, and I think those are my favorite ones because I could, I could get stuck into them. They could understand, and then maybe they'll give it back to me a little bit. Yeah. But I think there is something about being a referee that you do need to put up with some at times. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, similarly, I'm going to let you give off a whole list as well. Favorite teammates.
1: Oh. Well, you're going to make me feel bad for the guys that I mm-hmm. live out because I'm going to leave a lot out. Uh, Kenny Cooper is, is my, one of my top teammates ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've known him since, since we were 13. 13, 13. Uh, Nick Hagland at FC Cincinnati, the center back. Mm-hmm. He and I spent time together. At Toronto FC, Glenn Irwin, uh, Stephen betashore Justin Morrow at Toronto yeah. FC, uh, Wells Thompson, Wells, yeah, Matt Pickens, uh, Bobby Ryan, blogs uh, passed away, uh, Oscar Pereja, Greg Vanny. Uh, I'll Any, throw Pablo in there. Okay. Pablo. But we'll give you the entire 2010 team. How about that? The entire 2010 team. Okay. Fair. <clears throat> um, Anybody Jack from Price? Indiana? Um, when I was at Indiana? Yeah. Danny O'Rourke was, was my best buddy when I was at Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ned Grabavoy. Uh, we were in the same house together for a year. Uh, Brian Plotkin who got drafted in 06 played in the, the league a couple years he, was, he and I were tied in at the end um, mm-hmm. Jake Peterson Jacob, Peterson Jacob Peterson the answer played yeah. here for a bit, played in Kansas City for yeah. a bit uh, he and I were teammates in the end. but again I've left a lot of people off that list yeah. Okay. When you play for 18 years, you have a lot of teammates. <laughs> yeah. so. I can't remember. I remember
0: Rabbi, my co-host, interviewed somebody, and they mentioned this randomly. and I can't remember if it was you or somebody else. Did you play in a youth game where your team won like 8-1 and you scored all the goals, including an own goal? Yeah.
1: Yes. So it was my first ever game when I was five years old. I was late to the game. I might have been coming from something else. My dad, I was fine. My dad had me late to the game. We got to the field and he's just driving through the parking lot to drop me off. And and there's no parking spots up close. So he's just like, There's your team, like in, in uniform, right? Mm-hmm. Like go all park, come so I'm running out and the, the coach has them huddled up, they're sitting down. Yeah. What's five year olds sit down. They're yeah. Coach. And I sit there and I'm kinda of looking around. We've had like maybe two training sessions, you know, yeah. and, and, and I didn't know everybody. Uh I had like a couple buddies on the team. And the coach stops and he looks at he's like, Hey I I think that's your team over there. And like three fields over, uh-huh. we just happened to have the same uniforms, right? Because it was yeah. like YMCA soccer or something. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, I run over to my game. I get there just before it starts. We win 10 to one, uh-huh. and I scored all 11 goals. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's a true story. Yeah. Do you remember anything about the own goal? No, I don't. I don't. Like, my dad had to tell me. Okay. I think it was just like they had a break. They, like, I was running back to defend it or whatever. The ball was about to go in, and I just I, I kicked it. Okay. Know?
0: Okay. Um, other, again, possibly hypocritical story. We were at the first ever Dallas Burn game. Yes. What do you remember about that day?
1: I remember it was at the Cotton Bowl. Um, it, was, it finished 0-0. They went into the dribble-up shootouts, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> I remember there was a player, Washington Rodriguez, who was Dallas' most exciting player at the time. He hit the crossbar um, on a shot. I just remember thinking, this is awesome. Like, like, We have a team of our own. We have a league of our own. Jason Christ stood out. uh, He ended up scoring uh, the first home goal. No, no, no. The first franchise goal because they played at home the next weekend. And then the weekend after that, they played here for, I believe, the Rapids home opener. Yeah. Um, But just thinking how cool it was that we had our own team to support and our league to support. uh, it It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, who did who did the Burn play that day? They played the San Jose Clash. Oh. who had played the week before? Yes, and their home opener, Eric scored you know the first yeah. ever goal. Uh, so I guess the the Burn were maybe that was the only game that week, and I don't remember. But the, the Burn didn't play that weekend. Yeah. They, so it was the Clash's second game, but it was the Burn's first. ever
0: Okay, game. I think were there an odd number of teams in the first sure year? So like, yeah, like, okay. like nineteen. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, twenty ten MLS Cup. What stands out from that whole journey, not just specifically that really bitter cold day in Toronto?
1: Yeah, just we weren't the most talented team. We, we weren't playing teams off the park, um, but we had a group that just believed in what we were doing, believed mm-hmm. in how Gary Smith mm-hmm. wanted us to play, believed that Connor Casey and Omar Cummings were going to score goals, believed that Jeff Lernerowitz and Pablo Mascheraini were going to, Bossed the midfield and believed that myself, Marvell Wynn, and Matt Pickens were going to lead our back line. And we went on a run towards the end of that year where we we went on the road, we beat the Galaxy, we went on the road, we should have beat FC Dallas, (laughs) we should have beat Salt Lake here at home on decision day. Um, And we just When we stepped on the field towards the end of that year, we felt like we could win no matter where, where we were, no matter who we were playing against. And especially in those days of of MLS Cup playoffs, that was the team that had the best chance of winning, no matter whether you were on the road at home, the team that was in the best form going into the playoffs was the team uh, that was going to win, we probably led the league in fouls committed that year. Connor Casey alone, (laughs) but we kicked, we kicked everything that moved and we just, we weren't, we, there was, we were not going to accept anything but, but winning winning, a championship.
0: Yeah. How poetically fitting was it for
1: you that it was against Dallas in the final? I remember just being like super anxious about it. You know, like I wasn't happy that I got traded for Dallas. That was my hometown team. Mm -hmm. I was leaving my family, my friends for really the first time ever. I was bitter about it, you know? And, um, I didn't even want them to make the fight because <laughs> we had beat San Jose here on a Saturday night. Yeah. And they were playing in LA against the galaxy. The next we David
0: Beckham in the galaxy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Over, okay. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't want to deal with the, this you know, the media storm. Oh, this is your former team. They just yeah. traded you away. And I was still bitter about it. Uh, obviously I, I loved Colorado. And when Dallas won, it, they went to the Galaxy and won like 6 to 3 or something. It was yeah. Ridiculous. I was like, all right, I just need to accept this and embrace it and, and, and go for it. Mm-hmm. And of course, like I'm happy to have it happened now. You yeah. Know, it was sweet as can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Is there a. I'm not going to ask you which MLS Cup is more important, Drew, because I would say for both of those clubs, it was tremendous and yeah. their crowning achievement. Yeah. But I will ask. Which one of the MLS Cup rings does Shelby think is prettier?
1: Oh man, you'd have to ask her that. Uh, it's funny because, the, like, the MLS Cup is so—it it really was for for both sides, you know. And yeah, the, the clubs are completely different. All, all clubs are different, you know. Um, but to win it for this club, right, kind of out of the blue, nobody expected us to. Whereas with Toronto, I mean, we, you know, we. We showed up for games that year and and, and won. I feel like you know um, they're both so special, I just such fond memories of both of them, and they just they bring the group together so much. And 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 you think about those teammates, that staff forever, um, and so they, they
0: they were both just just. Drew, I'm glad we could make this work. I know it was maybe a week later than I wanted to, but I'm, I'm more glad. That's problem. Yeah. I'm, I'm more glad that I got 45 minutes exclusively with you than trying to do something rushed at the end of the game and everything on Saturday. So I, I appreciate you. I'm glad you're still here and, um, thank you for just giving me the time and you've always been respectful with me and the media and everything. Every single time, I I don't know that there's one person, fan or otherwise, who doesn't, you know, get the genuine you every single time. And that just makes you an
1: even more wonderful member of the club. Thanks for yeah. the kind words. I really okay. appreciate it, man. And I'm glad I was Thank on you time sure. this time. Yes. <laughs> I, I always am. Tell them, Amelia. <laughs> no, I appreciate <laughs> it, man. Any, anytime. Um, I'm around. I'm not going. Yeah. Okay. I i plan on it. Yeah.